0: was just it was just flawless and when she came out I mean I I had this surge of emotion I I, like like I've never had before like I was sobbing and crying and I was like wow like is this what it's supposed to be like Mm. it was this connection and like I can't describe how different it was
1: hi I'm Danielle welcome to the birth journeys podcast It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. Hey everyone, welcome to the Birth Journeys Podcast. I'm Danielle and I'm so excited to be here with you all today. Today on the podcast we have Sierra and she's going to share her birth journeys with us. Hey Sierra, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing really good, thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Um, I am a married mother of seven kids. I homeschool them all and... um yeah, just stay really busy with that.
1: Awesome. So, where did your birth journey start? Did you always want to be a mom or what did that look like for you?
0: Um, well, both my husband and I come from um, bigger families. I have seven siblings and he has nine siblings. Um, so we've both grown up around, you know, families with lots of kids. And so when we got married, it was kind of like, yeah, we'll definitely um, have a family. And so um, our first was actually born on our first anniversary of all things.
1: Oh, cool.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, pretty much from then on out, you know, once we had one, then we just continue to grow our family. And so, yes, right now we have seven and they are 12 and a half down to one and a half.
1: Oh, wow. That's awesome. So you said you had your first baby on your first anniversary. So when it came to getting pregnant, it sounds like you didn't have any issues with that.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. No issues there whatsoever.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That's a blessing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it is hard to relate, you know, it's hard to relate to some who can't, because, you know, for me, it's like, very, very basic. And so it's, um, it's hard, yeah, to understand that, though, that there are those who have a much more difficult time. And I need to remind myself that, know, I need to have sympathy towards those who don't have it as easy as I do in that department. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, so why don't we get started? So why don't you just go ahead and share about your first pregnancy, how you found out you were pregnant? What did that look like?
0: Okay, so we um, took like a little mini second honeymoon sort of driving across the um, United States. One of our friends was getting married, and so we were driving his truck out for him. And so we kind of toured the US and then we reached Washington state. And while we were there, I noticed that I had, you know, really tender breasts. I just remember thinking like, ow, like this hurts really bad. You know, maybe I'm going to be starting my period soon and just kind of ignored it, whatever. Cause I had irregular cycles. They weren't always very predictable. Um, and then we went home and I'm like, you know, I should really just take a test. Like I'm late. <laughs> and so sure enough, um, that is what it was, I was pregnant and, um, I didn't really get sick at all. So I was very lucky in that department. My pregnancies have always been really easy in that aspect, but, um, definitely felt sort of, um, what would you call it? Prenatal depression? I don't know. And I feel like that's been something that's plagued me for all of my pregnancies. Actually, I feel really down and defeated. And, um, I don't know. It's definitely not my favorite. I do not enjoy being pregnant.
1: Wow. I don't think I've ever really heard of prenatal depression. Obviously you hear a lot about postpartum and that kind of thing, but yeah, that's really interesting. It's not something that you really hear about. Thanks for sharing that because other people might have that same type of situation and not really realize or tie it to being pregnant, but where you have experienced that multiple times, people can hear that and, and see that it's something that they could maybe struggle with too.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately too, for me, you know, it usually compounds into postpartum depression too, but throughout the years, I've definitely taken all kinds of steps to manage and make sure that I'm still able to function. And so unfortunately, um, my motherhood journey is peppered with postpartum as well as prenatal anxiety, depression, and that sort of thing.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, is there anything else you want to share about that first pregnancy or do you just want to get started with your birth story?
0: Um, Well, the other uh, lovely pregnancy symptom that I always have is heartburn. And in fact, that's usually one of my first symptoms. If I'm feeling heartburn, I'm like, Oh, interesting. I think I know what's going on.
1: (laughs) Oh man. That's so funny. Well, I guess that's a sign that you can count on. You don't even need to take a test. Yeah. You got the heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, so why don't we jump into your first birth story?
0: Sure. Okay, so my first one, I was let's see, ten days overdue, which is, you know, very common for first-time mothers. Um, and I sort of went into his birth with the mindset of I just want an epidural because that's kind of what my mom always said. She Mm. loved her epidurals. And so I really didn't do a whole lot of planning. I mean, I read a little bit um, of books, you know, to get some information, but I really was not very educated. Yeah. So basically at about a week overdue, I went into the doctors and they're like, you know, we can't introduce, sorry, induce, not introduce. We can't induce you until you are, you know, over 41 weeks. And Mm -hmm. I remember trying not to cry you know I was so done with being pregnant and I I, w- I was just gonna melt down because I'm like I just have to have this baby um, and so I was scheduled for an induction on um, Monday April 27th so that was when I was supposed to be induced and I was just counting down the days and you know like I said I was very uneducated I had no idea that you know like you can just wait until you go into labor and luckily for me though I actually did Uh, go into labor on my own. So at 10 days overdue, we were at my um, Grammy's 80th birthday party. And I had thought for sure I would have a baby at that point, but I didn't. And so we went to the party and I was all depressed and sad, like, oh my word, we know this is never going to happen. And we left her party and went to my in-laws to take a sauna. And after I got out of the sauna, I was getting dressed and my water just broke all over the place. (laughs) And I was like, oh my word. So like, okay, I guess this is the real thing. You know, there was none of that guessing of, oh, is this real? Is this not? So basically my, um, contractions started like within minutes and they were intense and they were about four minutes apart. So we dashed home and we didn't tell our, my in-laws that I was in labor because it was midnight at this point. It was really late mm. and we didn't want to go into the house and wake them up. Cause we were just like, whatever, we'll just see what happens. So we headed home and got our stuff together and headed to the hospital. And, you know, they were nice and close and they were painful. Mm-hmm. And I got there and I kind of feel like the nurses weren't super helpful to me. You know, I really, hindsight being twenty twenty. I wish they would have um, been more helpful. Like, you know, move around, Sierra. Um, let's try the tub. Let's, um, you know, let's try work through this. Instead, they and like I said, this is partly my fault. I really was not very educated. Um, I just like laid in bed and just like hyperventilated. And so they did help me a little bit with, okay, you know, why don't you try breathing um, this way versus the way you're doing, you know, like you're going to hyperventilate. So eventually, you know, pretty much as soon as I got there, I was like, okay, I just want an epidural. Just give me an epidural. And they called the anesthesiologist and he did come probably within about an hour. So at that point, you know, I had been in labor for my labor started around midnight. This was probably around 2 a.m. So he came and I remember them um, saying to him as he's inserting this needle into my back, look how calm she is. She's eight centimeters. And I didn't even think at the time, like, what? I was that close Wow! after being in labor only for a little while. But I just didn't think much of it. And so then what do you know, this, you know, the epidural kicks in and then my labor just stalls. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up just sitting at probably about eight centimeters until he was born. Okay. Well, obviously I did dilate all the way and push, but it was quite a few hours that I just sat there then with no progress. So if I got that around two, I think I started pushing around six. So for about four hours, I just sat there doing nothing. And now I'm like, oh my word, like I was eight centimeters. Like I could have been so close, and this really you know slowed things down. So then I did finally start pushing, and it was about two, it was about two hours that I pushed, and it was really, really, really difficult. You know, I'm on my back, they're not trying to move me around at all, other than oh, you know, flop on your side because his heart rate's doing this, or um I don't know. I felt like I wish they would have done more to help me, and then I was also on a, ox, you know, I had oxygen mask on, and I felt just stifled and suffocated, and they're, you know, um, doing the controlled pushing, and I mean, I was just exhausted, and they wouldn't really let me take a break, and I'm like, well, can't I just, can't I just stop? So then finally, it got to the point where I was getting close to deliver, and the doctor comes in, and you know, of course, she hadn't You know, she had just checked on me a time or two. She comes in and I don't even know if I consented to this or not, but she just said, we're going to do an episiotomy. You know, we have to get this baby out. And I, I have no idea if I even agreed to it or not, but then, you know, suddenly, yeah, I'm getting cut. And I mean, in this this day and age, I feel like it's not really a common thing. I'm kind of surprised that they did, but you know, what, what did I know? I just really didn't know much.
1: Yeah. And I think from a little bit that I know, it sounds like episiotomies are kind of outdated, Um, but doctors are still doing them for sure. So I'm sorry that happened to you.
0: Yeah. And kind of what I've, you know, heard about it is that, you know, if you take a piece of paper and you cut it and then you apply pressure, that paper is going to tear. Whereas if you apply pressure to a piece of paper, it's a lot less likely to tear. So I kind of wish they would have just allowed me to tear naturally you know if that were to be the case but anyways he, so he was born at 846 and he was um struggling from you know he he had a hard time breathing and i don't know if that was um what that was really from because i did have in addition to the epidural i had um all, which is you know an, a pain medication and so basically you know he Couldn't really regulate his breathing for quite a while. And it was like an hour before I was even able to hold him. And so that was really hard. I felt like that opportunity for bonding was kind of taken away. And now I understand, you know, he did, you know, need the assistance or whatever. But that was really difficult. Yeah, so then from there on out, um, that was when, uh, like, the depression and the despair sort of set in. you know, I had been cut. And so then they sewed me back up and I was so swollen down there that I could hardly walk. And I remember, you know, when they were going to, um, discharge us, he, he couldn't latch on cause he was so sleepy, you know, from the different drugs that had yeah. obviously gotten into his system.
1: Yeah. That's um, really
0: hard. Yeah. He couldn't latch on. I could hardly walk. And I remember going home and feeling so defeated, um, not empowered whatsoever. It felt like like, what have I gotten myself into? This is so bad. Or how on earth did my mom have, you know, eight kids? And, and this was just such a big deal to me. And I'm sure people would, you know, think, well, like, what's the big deal? You know, you got an epidural, you didn't feel much pain. And I'm like, well, I still did feel a lot of pain. Yeah. Now I'm cut And I'm,
1: (laughs) yeah, after the fact.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and on top of it all, I'm anxious, and I'm depressed. And, and I just, like what what did I get myself into? So in a you know, short, you know, without giving all those details, like it was definitely um, not the ideal birth.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure I always like to ask about the placenta as well. I'm guessing that they just pounded on your belly and let it come out.
0: <laughs> yes, and actually, I did get my hospital records um, a couple of years back, so I really wanted to study them. And I believe they gave me pit, you know, to get the placenta to come out. But I, I don't even remember that. I just remember laying flat on my back and they're stitching me up and I'm just waiting to hold my baby. And I felt like I wasn't an active participant in what <laughs> what was going on. I was just like, um, didn't really feel like a part of it. It was this disassociative sort of feeling.
1: Oh, Unfortunately, that's an all too common story as well. I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that. So tell me about your second then when you found out you were pregnant with your second baby.
0: <laughs> okay. So my first was actually only six months old when I discovered I was pregnant for the second time. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of a shock. I was not expecting that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and so emotionally, you know, I hadn't really recovered from the postpartum depression and anxiety. Like I had a good hold on it, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't, you know, do any counseling or whatever. Um, I probably should have, and probably still should. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically I discovered I was pregnant and I was like, oh my word, like these babies are going to be 15 months apart. Um, I don't know how on earth I'm going to manage this, Mm -hmm. but of course I'm still here. So we did manage.
1: Yeah, it is hard, but, (laughs) but we make it through. (laughs) So at that time, when you were pregnant with your second, did you go right back into the hospital or what did you
0: decide for your second birth? So I did do another hospital birth and this one, um, definitely went a whole lot better. And I do know, you know, that's typical, your first kind of sometimes can pave away in a really, <laughs> um, you know, how would you word it either way? You know, it kind of paves the way and the next one seems to go a lot better. Yeah. And so this one definitely did.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to jump right into
0: that story. Sure. So I was only two days late for this one, which kind of shocked me. Um, but they had actually changed my due date. They had pushed it back by about 21 days. And so he was only two days late from my second due date. So that kind of makes sense. Um, so this one, obviously, we had one child already. So I was very concerned about, well, where will this, you know, where will our toddler go when I go into labor? Um My mother-in-law was able to come and pick him up. Um, I started laboring at about one in the morning, and my water did not break this time. So I just felt, you know, contractions that slowly picked up. And we headed to the hospital. I don't remember what time we headed there, but I did get an epidural. And this time, I was really concerned like when they told me, okay, you know, you're 10 centimeters, you can start pushing. I remember telling the doctors and nurses, like, I'm so traumatized by how long I pushed last time. Like, I don't even want to. Can I just sit here? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, your baby will just come on out eventually. And I was kind of surprised to hear that. Oh, wow. That...
1: I'm surprised they said that to you. <laughs> yeah. And so it is true, but you don't usually hear that in a hospital setting. <laughs>
0: Yeah, usually you just get the, okay, you need to do the three pushes and, you know, you need to get this baby out. So they actually did let me just sit there for probably about a good hour. Wow. And finally, I just decided, okay, I'm ready for this to be done. And so he was born at 7.56. So um, that was about six hours of labor.
1: Wow, that's not bad at all.
0: So, yeah, my first was about nine hours and then we brought it down to six the second time.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so with that one, how was it with the, having the previous episiotomy, did you end up tearing again or did you have any issues after pushing this baby out?
0: Nope. I didn't have any tears or anything. And I was actually quite shocked. Wow. Yeah. That's really awesome. I, I did really well with that. Um, recovery. Also, I had been working out my, that whole pregnancy. So I was actually in pretty good shape and I did recover well. I mean, like I said, mentally, it was definitely a challenge. And then then having a 15 month old and a newborn was (laughs) really, really hard.
1: Yeah. My youngest are 17 months apart. So I have a taste of that too. (laughs)
0: It's hard. Yes. Yeah. The two babies, you know, somebody always needs you. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So the recover, then physically, it was better that time?
0: Yes, definitely.
1: That's good. Because I had a really hard recovery with my second baby, and then my next one, it was a lot easier, and it makes such a huge difference. Yes. So tell me about your third, then. How did you find out you were pregnant with your third?
0: Um, Honestly, i kind of foggy. I hardly even remember, but... Oh wait, no. Okay. Now I kind of do. Okay. So my um, baby at the time was eight months old and I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> um, so for this one, I did go back to the hospital, but it was at that first appointment where I decided if I had any children after her, I would not be going to this hospital anymore. Mm. So during the postpartum time for my second, I started doing a lot of research about birth and, um, listening to a lot of birth stories and watching videos and hanging out in different groups on Facebook. And I decided that, you know what, I really want to try a natural birth because I feel like, and I don't want to say this and have somebody be like, oh, how dare you say this? But I feel like for me personally, an epidural affected my ability to bond with my babies. It was like the flow of oxytocin that you're supposed to have after your baby is born wasn't really there. And so I just said, you know what, I want to give this a try without to see if it was different. Like with my first two, when they were born, I didn't cry or didn't really feel anything. And so I said, you know what, I really would like to try this without. So I went to my first appointment and I didn't want to tell anybody that I was pregnant. So I didn't want to get a babysitter. And when I first walked into the OB, the first thing the secretary says to me is, you're back again? And that turned me off so bad because here wow. I I had my two like small children with me and that was her comment to me. Oh my goodness. It was, it was a huge turnoff. Yeah. So then, um, the nurse also made a comment, the OB, like literally every person I came across at this first appointment had something to say about the fact that I was back for my third child. And. Right then and there, I should have just been like, okay, I don't want to be here if you guys aren't going to be, you know, supportive of me. You know, why, why the rude comments? Yeah. <laughs> but I did, you know, I did a give birth there and, and it went really well. But it was at that decision, you know, at, sorry, at that point that I decided, okay, I think I'm going to be in search of something different um, if I have any other children. So, um, so for this, my daughter, she was, this was our first girl, she was four days late. So that was really, not bad. Um, and it was a Sunday morning when I went into labor. My mom came to be with our kids. And I remember it was around 7 a.m. You know, I had gotten up and it was as a Sunday, as I mentioned. So we typically go to church. And so we were um, making breakfast and I started to feel contractions and they picked up very quickly. And so I called my mom and she arrived at our house at about nine. And I remember her driving um my dad's he had this green truck that we called the green bean she drives it right up onto the lawn and right away when she came in you know she could tell like i didn't even really want to talk to her um and so she's you know trying to hug me and i'm all just like oh don't touch me like i need to go so we jumped in the car and we headed out and it was right around that time where all the people who would be going bringing their kids to Sunday school at church cuz we live right near our church um they were all on their way to Sunday school so we're meeting all these cars with all these people that we know and I'm like oh my word everybody's gonna know I'm in labor this is so embarrassing <laughs> and um my contractions were pretty strong and so I kept telling myself okay you know when you have a contraction just pretend you're on a beach in Hawaii you know like that'll help help you get through the contraction so of course I tried to do that I'm like no I'm sorry there's <laughs> there's no escaping these um So the drive to the hospital from our house is probably about 25 minutes and they were very consistent all the way there. And so once we got there, we headed in and they triaged me. And I remember them telling me that I was at five centimeters. So I'm like, oh, wow. okay, only five. Like, (laughs) come on. I'm like in lots of pain here. So they decided, yeah, you can stay. And I remember the nurse saying to me, you know, do you want an epidural? You have with your last two births. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to do it naturally this time. I'm going to do it without. And she says to me, are you sure? And I'm like, lady, no, I need encouragement. <laughs> don't make me doubt my decision here. <laughs> and she's like, well, you know, it's a Sunday morning. So, you know, obviously we don't have an anesthesiologist on staff. That's why I need to know. And I'm like, no, I, I do not want one this time. I'm determined to go without. So they checked me into a room and I said, you know, I'd really like to try the tub. Would you fill it up? So while they're filling the tub, my husband goes out to the car to get our stuff. And he comes back in and they're like, you know, the tub's full. And this had been about 20 minutes while he went out to the car and while they started filling the tub. And so they told me it was ready and the tub was right across the hall. And I'm like, you know, what? I don't even know if I can walk over there. They're just right. You know, my contractions were just right on top of each other. So the nurse said, you know what, why don't I just check you? So I got up on the bed and she checked me and she's like, Oh, you're ready to push. And I'm like, What? So I had been there for less than an hour and all of a sudden they were like, Okay, your baby's ready to come. And wow. <laughs> I was just in disbelief, but they called the doctor, he came running in and I pushed only a couple times, and she was born at 1017. So yeah, we had been there for like less than an hour.
1: Wow. Quick question when they checked you and you were complete, did you have the urge to push or did you just wait for them to tell you to push and just push because you were complete?
0: Yeah, I really didn't have the urge. And I will say with most of my births, I generally don't get the urge. It's more like, I just, you know, okay, I'm here. Let's just do this. Oh, okay. But actually, sorry, um, just short rabbit trail here for my birth center births. Um, they actually don't check you at all. So obviously I do get the urge eventually because, um, they've, I've never been checked with my birth center birth.
1: So back with that one, you were complete and you delivered your baby and did you have, um, no tearing or anything like that again?
0: Yes. No tearing. Um, awesome. It was just, it was just flawless. And when she came out, I mean, I, I was, I had this surge of emotion and. I I, like, like I've never had before. Like I was sobbing and crying and I was like, wow, like, is this what it's supposed to be like? Like, I didn't feel this with my other two.
1: Mm. It was
0: this connection. And yeah, like, I can't describe how different it was.
1: Wow. That's so amazing. So what about the placenta with this third one where you did it natural? Were you able to deliver it on your own or was that a managed delivery?
0: Um, I'm trying to remember, like I'd have to look at my, the records. I do believe I had pit with that. No, maybe not. I'm not really sure. That's okay. I guess I forgot to ask with your second one.
1: Did your second one latch right away? And did you feel like that with your second one?
0: Um, definitely better than the first, but we did struggle with nursing quite a bit. And I don't know if that, you know, attributed it to, um, him being sleepy or not you know
1: oh, yeah. from
0: whatever they gave me during birth
1: and so with your third one did you notice a difference in breastfeeding or was it about the same
0: um i believe i was able to nurse her for over a year which was a first because my other two by probably 6 months with both of them we had switched over to formula because nursing just was not established <laughs> Wow. So it really
1: did make a difference. So do you attribute that to having a natural birth versus a medicated birth then? Or do you think it was just the baby?
0: Um, I feel like it's a little bit of both because, I mean, she obviously did latch on right away and nurse well, Mm -hmm. but she was and is still a very um, determined and um, I don't really want to say spunky but (laughs) strong-willed child. And so I think, you know, when it came to nursing, it was, that was her preferred method of eating, you know? And so I I definitely nursed her till she was a little bit over a year old.
1: Okay. Awesome. So do you want to head into your
0: fourth? Yeah. A lot of these um, more subsequent births are very quick because they're quick in general. So yeah, that's okay. I want to hear them all. (laughs) Okay. So then for our fourth, um, this was when I decided to switch to a birth center and I chose the birth cottage in Milford for our place to deliver.
1: So just real quick for your prenatals, what was the difference in the prenatal care between going to the hospital and going to a birth center? Did you notice a difference? Oh,
0: huge. I mean, I did have to drive further to go to the birth cottage but I felt like the midwives were my friends, like literally felt like I was hanging out and visiting with friends when I went to my appointments. And I was honestly sad after my six week visit because I wouldn't be seeing them anymore. (laughs) And so it really does um, make a huge difference to me to know that I just felt like they really, really cared about me. Whereas with the OBs, it was this, you know, five minute quick measure you, you know, and if you had a concern, I feel like all I was ever met with was that's normal. That's normal. And not really a whole lot of care to like the fact that I was actually concerned about this or that. So yeah, I felt like a world of a difference between midwife, uh, midwifery care versus OB.
1: Yeah. I personally have not used a midwife yet. I hope to in the future, but I hear that it's night and day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I feel like especially if you just click with them, it's just, it's incredible. Mm. You look forward to going and, and visiting with them.
1: That's really awesome. So you can go right into your fourth birth
0: story. Okay, sure. Um, so this time I was 42 weeks when I gave birth. And those two weeks felt like an eternity. I, I was just stunned. Like, why on earth am I not going into labor? Like. <laughs> what is going on here? Um, But my mom is notorious for going overdue when she had her babies as well as my mother-in-law. So I'm not really shocked, but when you're in it, it's extremely hard when every day goes by and people who were due after you have their babies before you.
1: Yeah. I've gone late with two of mine. So I know, (laughs) I know the feeling of waiting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I was 42 weeks, and I had gone to my parents' house. We had a weekly family night, and some uh, one of my cousins and her husband were visiting from Virginia, and we were just having, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill. And I was getting one of my kids some of their food, and all of a sudden, my water breaks. Like I'm standing in the kitchen, and my water just gushes. Oh wow, <laughs> that's awesome! <laughs> in front, of, in front of everybody. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: And my husband had just joined me there because like I had driven separately from him. And I'm like, um, we need to go. Like my water just broke. So it actually worked out really well because my kids were where they were supposed to be, because my mom was going to take them. So there was none of this rushing around trying to figure out where they're supposed to go. They were exactly where they needed to be. So I made my husband up a a hamburger and handed it to him. And I'm like, okay, we gotta go. (laughs) And um I headed home to get our stuff and called the midwife and um I really wasn't having any contractions at that point but because my third labor was so fast I had kind of told her I really want to get there as soon as possible I don't want to give birth in the car like can I just come? And she said, you know, absolutely if that's what makes you feel comfortable. You know, you can come right away. We're not going to make you wait till you have, you know, 5 minutes apart lasting, you know, none of that. Oh wow. <laughs> so th- my water broke around 6 and we went home, got our stuff. And we arrived there at probably about nine. So we did sort of take our time because I really wasn't having a lot of contractions, but my water just kept gushing and gushing. And so, um, yeah, we got there around nine and they didn't check me at all. So I really don't know my stats, you know, as far as, well, I got there at this and then, you know, so I wanted a water berth and they filled up the tub for me and I got in and And it actually slowed everything down. It was like I got in too soon. So that was kind of strange. So then I got back out and waited for my contractions to pick up again. And they did. And then finally, I got to the point where I'm like, I can't, I just can't bear this anymore. So I got in the tub and then I started pushing and I actually pushed for quite a while like close to 45 minutes and i remember even saying to them you know as i'm in my delirious state <laughs> like why isn't this baby coming out like i should know how to do this by now and you know they're just reassuring me you know you're doing a great job just keep doing what you're doing and finally i had been like sitting down kind of in a reclined position in the tub i stood up and i'm like you know what maybe just gravity needs to take over so i stood up and i pushed and she was born then at 12:43 and so, and it was, of course, at that point that the midwives could tell why she was hung up. They're like, well, she had her hand up by her face and the cord was wrapped around people you know, multiple times. So that was kind of what was slowing me down. And it was so neat that they could tell that.
1: So you said that you stood up and she came out and the midwife said that her hand was by her face and the cord was around her neck? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. So her hand was up by her face and her cord was all, all tangled up there too.
1: Oh, wow. So she was born with her hand up by her face. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. So nuchal hand. And so that it kind of.
1: I've heard of that. I know it's not super common.
0: Yeah. It kind of made sense then after. Okay. So this is why you weren't just able to effortlessly, not effortlessly, yeah, <laughs> you know, get this baby out that, you know, there was something that was sort of um, hindering that.
1: Yeah. So with that one, did you feel that same rush of emotions and all the hormones and everything like you did with the previous one?
0: Oh, I've definitely. Yes. I remember, you know, just it's weird. It's like this uncontrollable, just like sobbing and crying. And I'm like, wow, this is so intense.
1: Yeah. Wow. So I have a question. I've heard people say that the more babies that you have, the worse the afterbirth pains are. Um, do you find that true for yourself?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I remember with my first, not knowing what, you know, people would talk about after pains and I'm like, what are you talking about? And they definitely do get worse. I can confirm that for myself. Oh yeah. (laughs) So I actually do like a herbal tincture after ease type of cramp, you know, relief. Mm. And funny, you know, I don't use any drugs during labor, but afterwards I'm all about the ibuprofen. I mean for pretty much a week straight I take it cuz it's uncomfortable.
1: So with that one do you remember anything about the placenta?
0: Um I remember it coming out very shortly afterwards and they are definitely not invasive about it. They just they just wait, you know, they don't tug or pull or push or anything. And so um yeah there was no issues with that and then I did encapsulate my placenta for the first time with her. I really feel like for the first several weeks, it kept me so um, balanced.
1: Yeah, I've heard that.
0: I didn't really feel like I had the, you know, the huge um, mood swings.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've heard a lot about that, that it can make you feel kind of leveled out. So that's really interesting. So what about your
0: fifth? Okay, so with my fifth, I chose to do the birth cottage again. And this one threw me for a little bit of a loop because she was two weeks and three days overdue. Oh wow. <laughs> Your
1: babies <laughs> really like to
0: cook. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so 18 whole days, I mean, of wow. misery. Oh my goodness. Like I knew I would go late, but I didn't know I would go that late. And I was kind of getting concerned that okay, once I reach 42 weeks, you know, they might tell me I have to go be induced. And they were so kind to just let me be as long as I um you know, continued to go to my appointments and had, um, well, biophysical profile at the hospital, you know, just to make sure everything was okay. And they did offer, well, you know, if you want, we can come, you know, you can come and we can try get things started. And I'm like, you know what, No, I don't want to be in this limbo of pain or whatever. Like, I just know, like, when I am finally ready to go, like, it'll, it'll happen when it happens. And so this was, um, okay, at, at 17 days overdue, my mother-in-law said, let me just take your kids. You know, what? it's probably all your other kids who are <laughs> keeping you from going into labor. So she came and picked them all up and no joke, within a couple of hours, like I started to go into labor it was like oh wow it was like my my brain needed to know that okay they're out of the picture they're being cared for you can do what you need to do now and so it was crazy the way that happened so she came I don't know probably around 10 o'clock nine or 10 o'clock at night to take the kids over to her house and by 1 a.m I was definitely um having contractions so I called the midwives and. um they weren't like really intense or really close together. But because I was that far overdue, they're like, why don't you just come? We, we know this, you know, this has to be happening soon for you. So I did go in and I hardly had any contractions on the way to the hospital. Sorry, not hospital birth center. Um, and so I was kind of concerned, like, OK, I might get there and they might just be like, you know, <laughs> this isn't you know, this isn't the real thing. But once I got there and sat around for a little while, it was like my body knew, okay, you're where you're supposed to be. You know, it's it's showtime. And sure enough, I think I was there for about two hours. Oh, wow. And from hardly laboring at all to, you know, contractions and then transition. And then she was born at 412. So that was about four hours of labor.
1: So through your natural labors, did you have anything that kind of helped you to cope through your contractions
0: or how did you
1: deal with that?
0: Well, actually starting with my first, uh, sorry, my fourth, I did the gentle birth tincture from Mountain Meadow Herbs and that has made the hugest difference in my labors. My contractions, like when I do the gentle birth, my contractions are so mild and so manageable up until transition. And then once I get to transition and those contractions are hard, I know that I'm so close to being done. And so I'm actually really fortunate that I don't have to like feel like I have to cope with the contractions until transition. And I do mentally start to feel like, oh, I can't do this. This is so hard. I just want to crawl out of my body. But once I feel like that, I know that I'm just minutes away from being done.
1: Yeah, that's what they say. Like, that's the normal sign that as soon as you feel like you can't do it anymore, you're
0: you're there. It's almost over. Yeah. And so that is, it's kind of a relief to know, okay, when I feel that helpless feeling, like I'm almost done. So for my sixth, I went back to the birth cottage. And um, at 10 days overdue, I was diagnosed with preeclampsia. And so mm. I actually went to the hospital to be induced for this one. So this was a whole different ball game for me. So I had noticed my blood pressure slowly rising, you know, throughout my pregnancy. And I mentioned it to them a time or two, but because I never had um, protein in my urine and it wasn't problematically high, they just said they'd keep an eye on it. And it was a Saturday and I brought my oldest into the um, pediatrician because he had strep or I assumed he had strep and he did. So we went to pick up his prescription and I'm like, you know, I want to check my blood pressure on this little Rite Aid machine. And it was like 110 over 95 or either way, you know, it was definitely high. So I called them and it was a Saturday and I'm like, you know, I really feel like I should notify you. So they said, yes, please come in. And they tested my urine and sure enough, I had protein and then my blood pressure just continued to go up, like even throughout the appointment. So they said, you know, we can like take you back and break your water and try to get you started. But we don't know what's going to happen with your blood pressure. So we would suggest that you go get induced. And I was really resistant to that because <laughs> I had never been induced before. And I was honestly afraid that it would be this long drawn out horrific situation because I've heard, you know, some people having really terrible inductions. Um, but I wanted to do the right thing. And I'm glad that I did because, you know, listening to the doctors and nurses later, they're like, you know, you had severe preeclampsia. Like you were bound for, you know, strokes and seizures and we're glad you came in.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds like it could have been scary. I'm thankful that the midwives were wise to tell you that.
0: Definitely. Because I feel like there may be some, you know, who might be like, oh, we can just manage this here. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad they did make that choice to tell me that, no, you need to go. This is dangerous.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's this misconception about midwives that they're not as trained or as qualified as, you know, an obstetrician, but yeah, that's just simply not true. Like, you know, just because they aren't in the hospital, you know, that doesn't mean that they aren't highly trained um, to deal with or, or to pick up on the signs and then to know when it is a time to actually transfer their care to, you know, a more medical, um, you know, if it's a more medical need, then that's what they're going to do. And they're going to put you there.
0: Yeah, I found that they are, um, if anything, you know, the ones I've dealt with are very cautious. And at the first sight or hint of something being um, not normal, you know, they're going to do the right thing. So it shockingly went extremely well. I was really, really anxious about it. So we got there and at about 11 PM, they gave me Cytotech, which I didn't really want, but I, cause I asked the doctor about it. I said like, are you sure you want to use this on me? You know, it has a black box label and it's not, it's not supposed to be used during pregnancy. And, and they're kind of like, well, you know, basically doctors always use drugs off label and you'll be fine. So I did actually take the cytotec at about 11 p.m. and then I was able to sleep off and on throughout the night. Is that something that you take orally or vaginally? No, it is an oral. So it's something if you take it and you react poorly to it, you can't pull it out of your system the way you can with Servadil.
1: Oh yeah. I'm thinking of Servadil. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of.
0: Yeah. So lucky for me though, it didn't cause me any harm. And I think probably at about seven the next morning after taking two doses of cytotec overnight they told me I was dilated to a three and I felt so defeated I'm like what only a three (laughs) and they're like lady um most people aren't dilated at all after two doses of cytotec but of course you know I had had how many kids already They, they told me they're like if we give you a whiff of pit you're gonna open right up and that's exactly what happened So so I started to feel a little bit of contractions before they even put me on pit. And I started to just get like panicky feeling like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in pain. So I asked for an epidural and they gave it to me before they even started pit. So weirdly enough, this birth was basically painless. (laughs) So I got an epidural probably around 9, and then they started pit at 10, and he was born at 11.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> that is so quick.
0: <laughs> so, so yeah, the whole induction basically lasted about 12 hours. But it wasn't like, oh, it wasn't a walk in the park. I was on um magnesium, a magnesium drip. Oh, yeah. To, um, relax all your muscles in your body. And that was so bad. Like I do not recommend magnesium. Obviously it did what it was supposed to do. And I didn't have a stroke or a seizure, but it was miserable. I mean, I could hardly see. It made your, my eyes feel like I couldn't focus. And I, if I needed to use the bathroom, I was a fall risk because of how unsteady it made me. So that was not a fun feeling. I had to be on that for 24 hours post-birth. And I'm used to going home right away with my birth center birth. So I kept asking them, like, can I go home? Can I go home? And they're like, no, you cannot go home. You're not stable enough to go home.
1: (laughs) So then with the magnesium and the preeclampsia, did it go away when you delivered or did you have it postpartum as well?
0: It did not go away. So I had to be on um, labetalol, which is a blood pressure med, for about eight weeks after. And that included weekly blood pressure checks, which was so frustrating. You know, I had six kids. And by the time he was six weeks old, I seriously had gone to 18 different appointments between him and myself. Oh, wow. That's so crazy. (laughs) So that was so miserable because it was like every other day I had to go somewhere. And I remember just sitting in the car after one of my first blood pressure checks And I'm like bleeding all over my pants and I'm like, I just need to be home in bed, but (laughs) you know, I got to take care of this. Yeah. That's so
1: hard because postpartum is such a sacred time where you really should be, you know, sitting in bed and relaxing and resting and healing.
0: Yes. And that's exactly what I aspire to be doing. And so it was very frustrating for me to go and And then every time I'd go, they'd be like, well, you need to still stay on the blood pressure meds. And they made me feel kind of dizzy and loopy. And I wanted to get off of them. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't want to wind up being readmitted because, you know, that's basically what they told me is like, we see this all the time. You know, we get moms who get readmitted with preeclampsia like you need to do (laughs) you need to do the right thing.
1: Yeah, that's not something that you want to mess around with for sure. It can be something that can be really scary. Yes, So now I'm curious, I'm having an induction this time. Did you feel like you did get that hormonal rush and that rush of emotions this time? Or did you feel like you didn't have it this time?
0: I actually did. It was weird because I don't know if maybe, you know, the epidural was in for such a short period of time, but even though it wasn't like physiological birth, I did connect with him and am still very connected
1: with him. Oh, that's awesome. That's so good.
0: Because then, you know, he was the baby of our family for about three and a half years before our seventh came. So I feel like I really had time to just soak him up and enjoy him. And it was, it was wonderful.
1: Oh, good. I'm so glad that you had that experience. It always breaks my heart when I hear that moms miss out on that, because I feel like I've had that happen to me. And it's just not, it's just not a really good feeling to, to have to go, like, you know, deal with that.
0: Yeah, it is. It is heartbreaking to feel like, you know, your baby gets booted out of their spot. Yeah. So quickly, you know, if they are close together, but I can say now that my kids are older, having them close in age is the best thing ever. (laughs) Because I have, you know, the two boys and then the three girls and then, then a boy and a girl and this, the boys, they're just, they're each other's best friends. My girls are each other's best friends. And they, you know, they have other friends outside of our home, but it's amazing how they just play together all day.
1: Oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so tell me about your 7th, your baby.
0: Okay, so this time I did go back to the birth cottage and I was very concerned about having preeclampsia again. <laughs> um so I did make sure I kind of followed the Brewer diet, had a lot of protein to try, you know, ward it off. And there was a couple of times where my numbers were like a little bit high, but not, um, you know, at the threshold where they're like, okay, now you need hospital care. Um, so she was 10 days late. And this point, at this point, this was when Corona happened. And I was really concerned that I would end up having to go to the hospital because this was, this was April 20th of 2020 when she was born and things were so up in the air at that point you know, like my midwives were telling me like, have your husband do the grocery shopping. You shouldn't be out in public. You know, you don't want to get sick. And, and so I I hate grocery shopping. So I gladly handed, (laughs) handed the reins over to my husband. Guess what? You get to go grocery shopping now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) Uh, So then at about uh, at 10 days overdue, they said, you know, you need to do a biophysical profile. So we need you to go To a hospital and get this done. And it was the strangest thing ever. So I dropped my kids off at my mom's and I drove to Nashua all by myself. And I went to Southern New Hampshire and I walked in through the ER and the hospital is just dead quiet. There's no cars in the parking lot. There's, you know, just a couple nurses at the door checking people in. And it was the weirdest thing. It was like this post apocalyptic world walking around (laughs) in that hospital because they had basically just sent everybody home and, you know, Anything that wasn't considered essential wasn't going on. So they did my ultrasound and they said, oh, you know, you look good. Your baby looks good. Just, you know, you're fine to continue. So on the way home, I stopped and I got myself Chick-fil-A. I got myself Starbucks and I had just this lovely, peaceful day all by myself. A mom's dream. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So then I picked up my kids and I had been having Braxton Hicks all day. That worked fairly noticeable, but, you know, certainly not painful by any means. And so I took my kids home and I started to make supper and I just started to feel panicky, like, oh, I have to get this supper made. Like, this is just urgent. You know, my kids would come talk to me and I I just didn't even want to talk to them. I'm just like, oh, just leave me alone. <laughs> so then my husband came home and we ate supper. And it was probably around six o'clock that I'm like, you know, what? I, I think I think this is it. You know, I'm having contractions and they're about I don't know seven or eight minutes apart and they're mild and not even lasting a minute, but they're regular enough. I think this is probably the real deal. Um, so I used the bathroom and I was like, Oh, it's kind of like, um, greenish black. Like I think that must be meconium. So I called the midwife and she's like, you know what? You should probably come in. So my mother-in-law came and got all the kids. And it's funny because here I had just been at my mom's, but I'm like, well, I don't want to bother her again. I'll t- get my mother-in-law involved. So my mom had no clue that I was even in labor at all, even when I picked up my kids. Like I didn't say a word to her. So when I texted her with a picture of a baby, she was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we headed to the birth cottage and got there probably around it's probably around nine o'clock. And I was GBS positive this time, which I've never been before, and I didn't really want to take the antibiotics, but They have had a baby before who um, got infected with GBS and it was kind of a a big deal. So they recommended I take them. So I got there and they were able to do one dose of the antibiotics. And once the first dose was in, I started to feel just panicky. And I'm like, okay, I know what this means. (laughs) I'm like, can you fill the tub, please? And so they did. And I got in and pushed for a very short period of time maybe only a couple minutes and she was born at ten twenty-one. so we had been there probably for about an hour and 20 minutes and I was hardly even laboring that entire time but once I get there my body just knows like you are where you're supposed to be mm. it's amazing
1: so you said that before you left at the birth center you had meconium in your water so did your water break then
0: It didn't break. It may have been leaking, but then because she was born so quickly and my water did look like she had pooped in it. um, They just figured, well, we'll just monitor her very closely and she was fine. She didn't need any additional care. Mm -hmm. So that ended up kind of being a non-issue, but um, it was just worth noting. So was she the only one of your babies that had meconium in her water?
1: or did any of your other babies have it too because i know that it's really common with post date babies
0: yeah actually i don't believe any i don't believe any of my others have had meconium in the water oh okay so
1: you had mentioned with your induction birth that you kept asking to go home because with your birth center births you were used to going home um right after you had your baby so what did that look like What do you mean like you got to go home? Did you get to go home like right after giving birth or like when exactly did you get to leave after giving birth at the birth center?
0: They do allow you to stay for, I don't know, they have a certain amount of hours that they figure you can stay there. Um, I usually leave after about, I don't know, once the baby's born, I usually leave in about two hours.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: And it's funny too, because my mom was always like, oh, she loved her hospital stays and um, just loved being doted on and having the room service. And I'm like, oh no, I want to go home so bad.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: um, Cause I noticed with my hospital births, you know, like I want my baby to sleep on me or next to me. Oh, yeah. They do not care for that <laughs> they in don't. the hospital. They're like, oh, get that baby out of your bed, put them in their crib. And I'm like, I lay them in their crib and they wake right back up. Yeah. (laughs) So with the birth center birth, I want to come home and lay that baby next to me in my bed and just go to sleep.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. That's always the best part is just getting to snuggle and and sleep with the baby on your chest.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And for me, um, as far as like, say, being fed, well, if my husband takes a couple days off of work, he makes sure I'm well fed and we usually have somebody watch our kids for a couple days so our house is quiet and so i don't really feel like i need that the hospital um you know peace and quiet that some talk about and that's okay if other people like that i just i like my own bed uh-huh. my own pillow <laughs> i like the comfort of my home
1: and you don't have people coming in every hour to check your temperature and your blood pressure and all that fun stuff <laughs> constantly
0: yeah and the best thing is too is um not post-corona, but pre-corona, the midwives would come to your house for uh, postpartum visits. Oh, wow. Now that is heavenly.
1: <laughs> Man, yeah, I'm sure. That sounds amazing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, they come right to your house. They weigh your baby. They take your blood pressure. They hang out and chat with you, and it's just so cool to have them in your house. You know, you've know, you been going to their office and visiting them. Then they come right to you, and it, it's amazing.
1: You said that with your first birth center birth that... You felt like you really got to connect with the midwives and build relationships with them. So, I'm just curious in your subsequent birth center births, um, did you have like all the same midwives and it was just kind of a continuation of the relationship, or what did that look like?
0: Well, the birth center is like a teaching sort of center. So, while they always have students, and each time there's been a different student, the head midwife, who is my favorite, has been there for every single one and so just seeing her there and so she's not as hands-on as the student obviously the student needs the um experience but she's always right there and you know she just knows me oh, that's and special. she even lives in the same town as me so there's we have a lot of um people in common who we know like say she was on the ambulance service and my mom was too so she knows my mom um it's really neat i i you know, I love the relationship that I have with my midwives.
1: Mm. Yeah, that sounds really special. I know in the hospital system, it can kind of, I don't know, it depends on where you are. But I know that a lot of times it's like cycling through different you know, different doctors and you see a different one every time. And then you don't know who you're going to get when you're actually in labor. And it's just kind of like a guessing game.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. With my hospital birth, for sure. I had a different doctor every time, you know, they had three different ones and I did have each one. Um, so yeah, it wasn't all like, oh, I like this one. I hope they're there. It was kind of like, you just get who you get (laughs) and hope for the best. And then with my um, induction birth, I went to a totally different hospital and I had never even met this person before. And they came right in and delivered my baby. And it was kind of a strange thing to not know who this person was.
1: Oh, yeah, that would be really strange for sure.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on and
1: sharing all your stories. I really enjoyed hearing them all. It was it was awesome. Um Do you have any resources that you would recommend that kind of helped you on your journey of evolving from, you know, your more medicated epidural births um, and eventually um, to your more natural birth center births?
0: I would say the biggest thing is how much faster I recover after having a natural birth versus the epidural birth. Um, I definitely feel like I recovered a whole lot faster without the epidurals. Mm Mm-hmm. But, as far as say managing pain, um highly recommend gentle birth. <laughs> I really feel like it made a huge difference in just how less intense my contractions were,
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: um, and then the biggest thing too is like when you have contraction, like once it's over, like you won't have that contraction again, like <laughs> the next one you have is gonna make more progress and then more progress,
1: mm, yeah, and so
0: <laughs> instead of like dreading the next one, it's like. I just mentally would tell myself like, yes, bring on the next one. Cause we're almost done. Bring on the next one. We're almost done. And so I think even just mentally encouraging yourself that like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Makes such a difference in just working with your body Yeah, and not fighting against it.
1: Oh yeah. 100%. I believe that. So was there any other resources that you would recommend? Um, I know you mentioned the gentle birth or any other like educational tools that you use either during your pregnancy or in postpartum. Um, I
0: feel like when I was really starting to do a lot of learning, um, the Birth Without Fear blog is what I spent a lot of time reading. and they used to have a Facebook group, and that's where I learned a lot. but I believe the group is gone now, so that wouldn't really be helpful. <laughs>
1: Well, thanks again so much for coming on and sharing all your stories. It was so fun to hear, you know, just your evolution from the medicated immediately getting an epidural um, to now where, you know, you go to the birth center and you do it just all natural by yourself and you listen to your body. And I just think it's so amazing how within our own bodies, birth can be so similar because our body kind of does its certain thing yet you know, each birth story is so unique because it's just different enough, you know, like each kid just comes out in, in their own way, <laughs> you know, it's really cool to, to hear. Um, but yeah, thank you again so much for coming. It it was just really a blessing to hear all your stories. And I really think that, um, other people are going to be really encouraged by them.
0: Yeah. Thank you for trusting me and having yeah, no, me.
1: No problem. <laughs> um, thank you, Sierra. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast, and you can connect with us on social media at Birth Journeys Podcast. For more information or to share your own story, please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.